Today's guest is Sean Garrett. He's the founder of Garrett PLLC, a law firm focused on serving the needs of businesses and their founders. As a business owner himself, Sean knows the advice and counsel needed by business owners at their different stages, including formation, purchase, growth, and sale. Sean has represented many companies, large and small, from startups to institutional investors. As a business lawyer, Sean knows the concerns of companies, their key employees, and how to advise them in their roles. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you and I have connected a few times here locally in the Charlotte area, and we've chatted a bunch. So I um, figured I'd love to have you on just to speak more about what you're best at, which is the legal side of things, which I know nothing about. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to this conversation. Yeah, I was like you one day. I didn't know much about it to begin <laughs> with. Uh, but then, yeah, I dove in and now it's all I know, really. Awesome. I guess we can start off by saying or by asking you, um, how would you describe what you do in three words? Three words. What does Sean Garrett do? I protect small businesses. Okay. That's very important. Um, can you give us like a brief overview of what you've done up until this point? Like what's your journey like? How'd you get here to protect to protecting small businesses? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of twofold and I'll kind of go down both streams of thought. Um, the obvious answer is I went to law school. I had a have always had a passion towards businesses. My undergrad degree was in business just generally. And I always asked myself, what am I going to do with this degree? And I uh, kind of carved out a, a focus for myself, I'm not going to call it a niche, but a focus where I would network with business owners and learn about their struggles and uh, just really dove into the laws that affect these business owners and started catering to them. Um, so on the left hand, I learned about the law and that was my journey. On the right hand, I am an entrepreneur myself. I started my firm in February of 2022, and I hit the ground running networking. Um, before I even started my business, I was networking, shaking hands, kissing babies, meeting people, because it's extremely important when you're an entrepreneur, you have to know people. Uh, if you don't know anyone, you use people like yourself uh, when it comes to marketing and you know trying to generate that um, that goodwill for your business. But if you don't have that type of team or those funds initially, uh, you just have to know people. And so um, my business has been largely word of mouth. It's been referrals, um, a bit of marketing, a little bit, mainly myself on LinkedIn, putting out free content. People love free stuff. And so, uh, yeah, that's how I've been growing it. And that is consequently how we met through networking. So um, yeah, who's in the pudding, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. If, if, you had to describe what you do in, in terms of a problem that you solve. What problem are you solving for these business owners? Oh, that's a, that's a broad question. Um, business owners have a lot of issues that come their way. Um, I'll pick three because there's just a number of issues out there, but they have internal issues, whether it's trying to get funding, whether it's investors, whether it's partners. So, uh, you know, dealing with internal strife. They have external issues, whether it comes to third-party partners, vendors, people that are suing them, things like that, um, that they have a relationship with, a contractual relationship with. And then they've got third-party, just incidental liabilities, such as someone was injured by one of their products that was unintentional, or they had an LLC that was used in a, you know, a scheme, and um, next thing you know, they're in trouble for something that they didn't anticipate. So in, in all three of those scenarios, I, as best I can early on, try to anticipate what some of those issues are and then 
set up their entities, contracts, structure to help protect them from some of that. Um, what's what's cool about the law, and this is kind of a sidebar, uh, but attorneys are like a fine wine. Well, not all of them are fine, but some of them are like a fine wine <laughs> where, uh, you know, the more experienced attorney you have, that just means that someone's run into issues more. It doesn't mean that person's smarter than anyone. It doesn't mean that they, um, you know, went to a better school. It just means that per- that person has been exposed to more issues. Now, consequently, you go to a better school or, you know, you end up in a much better firm and you're probably exposed to much higher caliber issues. Um, but it's been cool to see as my practice grows out and I get exposed to things, how many times people will come to me and say, hey, I've got a super unique issue I want to talk to you about. And I'm able to say, well, actually, I've seen that before. Um, but a little little sidebar, but I think it's it's kind of cool to acknowledge. Yeah, no, I, I like that analogy of fine wine. Um, I mean, your time in the trenches, obviously, that that's all experience that matters and, and it's applicable today. Where are yeah. you currently spending the bulk of your time? Mm. Um, my time is probably spent a lot on just thinking about how to grow, um, thinking about how to scale, which is tough. Um, obviously doing the work and growing the business by networking. That is what I do a lot of, like spend a lot of my physical time doing, but if I'm in person somewhere and I'm just kind of letting my, my mind wander, my time is spent thinking about how do I add staff? How do I grow? How do I scale? How do I expand? Um, and it's tough because you can't turn that off. Even when I'm watching a movie with my wife, I'm constantly thinking about that. So when you say most time, it's probably what most of my time goes to because while I'm awake, that's all I'm thinking about. Um, but yeah, the rest of it's been doing the work and networking, obviously. For sure. Let's switch gears a bit and talk more about like what you're best at, what you're an expert in, and that's property entity structures. What yeah. would you say are the the foundational areas of that that side of things? Yeah, good question. So diving into the law, when it comes to really identifying the type of structure that a business needs, you have to ask the right questions. And so that experience is what's key there. Um, The questions that I ask today are different than the questions that I asked three years ago, two years ago. Um, Now, those questions were textbook answer or questions, expecting textbook answers. And, you know, they were well-vetted questions. However, as you've gone through the process, you start asking yourself, you know, I, I'd say this back day one, I would ask how many owners are there going to be or how many investors? And then today I'm asking, that's, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that there are two or three owners, but what are they going to be doing? Because I've anticipated that a lot of the internal struggles are some business owners um, in, within a business are carrying more weight, even though they've all put in the same amount of money, some are carrying more weight. So then we, so then we start asking more in-depth questions to figure out whether it's really going to be 50-50 or if there needs to be some compensation for the um, the incidental work that is done by um, a business owner and growing a business. Mm-hmm. And what do most people not understand about this whole process? Yeah, most people don't want to document anything, which for better or for worse drives me crazy. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, North Carolina does recognize a uh, verbal operating agreement, meaning that it does not have to be in writing, which I think adds more complexity than not. Because if you get five people in a room and you ask them what the operating agreement says, you're going to get 10 different answers because everyone's probably going to second guess themselves multiple times. Um, So I would say not wanting to put anything in writing, that is what I stress to people the most. I'll say, even if you don't pay for my services, even if you don't 
contract me as your attorney, at least write down and get it signed by everyone. DocuSign's cheap these days. Word is basically free. Type something up, get it executed, and just save it so that down the road, you guys can revert back to it. And it's probably not going to be as in-depth or complex as something I would draft, but at least it's documented. That's great advice. Yeah, and you're right. It, I mean, it's so easy just to use Google Sheets, Word, anything, slap your you know your signature on there. But anyway, what are some of the bad recommendations you hear around entity structuring that you usually have to like reroute your clients on? Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll answer that twice um, in two different ways. I think you can tell I do that a lot. But the first piece of advice that I'm just going to nip in the bud is when it comes to LegalZoom, um, when it comes to, I don't even know, Rocket Lawyer maybe, um, I'm just going to toss out there. They are great drivers of business for me. So if a business owner goes to Rocket Lawyer or um, LegalZoom, it's not that I'm telling you not to, I'm telling you not to, but it's not that I'm saying don't do it. It's that I'm saying you're probably going to be in an attorney's office one day fixing whatever was messed up. Just a reality situation. The great driver of business for, for attorneys. On the flip side, um, one thing that I hear from people a lot is they try to get very complex with their businesses unnecessarily. So they'll hear something on YouTube or TikTok. I was thinking about TikTok. I'm not on there, but I hear on TikTok, there are tons of attorneys and accountants. Well, let me back up. There are tons of non-attorneys and non-accountants giving advice. And they're saying, buy a car with credit and put it under your LLC name and never make a payment and write it off next year. Um, not an accountant. Disclaimer. Horrible advice, though. Like, don't, don't buy a car if you don't need it just to get a write-off. You know, that's, that's uh, chasing materialism. Um, I would get reputable advice. I tell a lot of my business owners, whether it's me, whether it's someone else, Form a relationship with an attorney or an accountant and at least form that relationship and let's go from there. Understood. And yeah, I've seen a lot of those videos on, on the socials as well. <laughs> um, obviously, the, the right thing to do is to consult an, uh, an attorney that knows how to handle this stuff. But if, if you had to guarantee a way to fail at this, what would that person be doing? Yeah, if they're a solo entrepreneur, I would say the one way to fail is not to have an LLC, not to have a business structured. Um, because if you don't start off that way, you're going to forget about it down the road. And the next thing you know, you're going to have grown a business and it's all going to be personally liable to yourself and you're not going to have anything to sell down the road. So one, you've got that exposure of personal liability. Um, just a quick caveat, because I'm not sure how many of your listeners know this, but most people talk about LLCs and don't know what they mean. An LLC is a limited liability company. That's truly what it stands for. And the only thing, well, it's not the only thing, but one of the primary purposes to utilize an LLC is that limited liability. If you operate the LLC as a separate entity, you protect your personal assets. So if you operate the LLC, let's say, um, take Uber as, as an example. It's an example I love using. If you structure your business properly and your business owns the vehicle and something happens where someone's injured by the vehicle and the LLC is sued, theoretically, your personal assets should be kept separate from the assets of the LLC. So if they were to secure a $100,000 judgment and the LLC only has $50,000, they shouldn't be looking at your personal bank account or your house for, for uh, to satisfy the rest of that. So that's a caveat on the LLC. Um, to answer your question, if they're a solo member, if they're a solo entrepreneur um, and they don't have an LLC, I recommend starting one or at least getting off on that foot. It's difficult when you start amassing business debt and assets to then transfer that 
to the LLC down the road. But on the flip side of that, if they are in a multi-member or a multi-business owner partner relationship, not documenting that relationship, I think is important. Um, I, I know a lot of business owners who hearts, whose hearts are in the right place, and they will want to compensate employees or other people for their time by giving them portions of their company, but they don't spell out whether that person can vote, whether they can bind the company in contract, whether they can um, hire employees even. And next thing you know, down the road, there's just questions as to the relationship. This person's got 20% of the company and they want to vote, but the owner doesn't want them to. So, Got it. Yeah. I mean, that makes tons of sense, especially if you're giving away equity like that. I mean, it puts you at a huge amount of risk. Yeah, definitely. Any any business owner, entrepreneur that is starting a business already has one and they're looking to consult with someone like yourself, what are some of the non-obvious skills or beliefs that the attorney has to have that you think they have to have to be qualified to be great at this? Yeah, good question. Um, they have to at least want to listen. Listening is key. Um, any really good attorney probably talks. 20% of the time, which I'm probably up to 90% on this call, but you know, <laughs> um, so yeah, they'll talk 20% of the time do probably 80% of the listening because as they're listening, they're jotting down notes and they're making, um, you know, all sorts of notes on paper so that down the road, they know how to best advise that client. Um, uh, because truthfully as attorneys, we're advisors and mm-hmm. you can only advise if you understand. So that's a, that's a great skill set to have. Um, Leave it at that one. Got it. If if you only had to invest two hours per week on your legal work, what would you consider to be those two hours? What is the most important part? Mm, wow. Well, any good attorney is going to draft documents. It's probably what we spend most of our time doing. It's boring. Um, yeah, I, I put a lot of time into my documents. I know it's not a very exciting answer, but put a lot of time into my templates. I put a lot of time into revising, editing, reviewing them so that I can get quicker when it comes to term times. Um, entrepreneurs, they don't want to wait really. And uh, being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur myself, I understand that. But if I need to take seven days to draft a document, it's way too long in their book. They want it in two to three. So, Got it. Yeah. So you sort of, you sort of understand the, the mindset of the entrepreneur that wants to, you know, just execute very quickly. So <laughs> yeah, bring those two things it. to the table. Yeah. Yeah. I try to, you know, at the end of the day, it is tough because, uh, I, I tell entrepreneurs you want fast or you want, right. I could meet you in the middle, but I'd love to be more right than, you know, fast. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's better to do it thoroughly. Otherwise you have to go back and then redo it and you don't want that. hundred percent. Yeah. What are some of the common challenges that you're tackling right now with regards to the protection of someone's company? Yeah. Um, and, and you mean specifically like a matter that I'm going through right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or, if, or if you can talk general, depending on what you're able to give away or not. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of keep it general. Um, so let's take a specific hypothetical. Uh, so let's say we, I've got this business owner. Let's say um, that he was taking an investment from a client or not a client, but an investor, truthfully. Um, and he didn't know where the money came from. There is an opportunity for you to open yourself up to liability in your LLC and personally, potentially, if you are operating the LLC, one as a personal piggy bank, and two, if you're operating with 
investors that you're not familiar with. Um, and so that, that is a concerning conversation. Um, you know, I, I really stress business efficacy and, you know, business operations, you know, operating your business efficiently and ethically, um, and know who you're taking money from. It's exciting to get an offer for a hundred thousand dollars. It's exciting. I get it. Where did the hundred thousand dollars come from? And what is it in exchange for? You know, that's uh, those are all questions that need to be posed. Got it. Sean, um, as we round out this podcast, I want to say thank you for sharing, you know, the information you've spent so many years in the trenches in, you know, these quick, these quick, uh, minutes. So I really appreciate that. Um, I, I, one thing I like to do with, with these, with this, these, these podcasts is ask some rapid fire round questions just to get a yeah. sense of the way you think, the way you frame the world, the way, the way you perceive things, because your answer is going to be different than mine. It's going to be different than the next person's. And I like hearing that type of information. So uh, yeah. with that said, my first rapid fire question to you is what contrarian or non-conventional belief do you have? Define contrarian in your book, if you don't mind. And then the rest will be rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So um, contrarian to me would be, what do you believe that most people think you're crazy for believing? Oh, man. If, if, if everyone's going left, you're going right. Like, where are you going right on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the belief that business is easier than everyone makes it out to be. The belief that what it's do easier. I mean? Yeah, what do I mean by that? I am not the typical human being. I know these are supposed to be rapid fire, but no, I'm please, a long-winded guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a long-winded guy. Um, I think that life and business, I, th I think everything's easy, truthfully. I think it's super easy. I think it's the hard work that people are afraid of. And so if you are able to, or a human being myself, put myself as an example, if I am able to look at the hard work and just say, I'm not afraid of it, I'm going to do it. I think that that's the only hurdle between getting things done and not getting things done. Um, I challenge myself a lot when it comes to running, when it comes to business entrepreneurship. Um, I'm terrified of a lot of things, truthfully. I'm terrified of skydiving. My wife asked me to go skydiving and I said, yes. Why? Because I wanted to conquer that fear. Um, and I was up there terrified. Um, but that day, I actually got one of my uh, or obtained one of my favorite quotes. It was feel the fear and do it anyways. So um, I think that anything that we want to achieve is easy. It is intimidating. It is scary. There's anxiety to it. I'm not I'm not uncompassionate to the fact that it's scary. However, I do think that if we were to take time, meditate, focus on ourselves, spend time really analyzing what the pros and cons are for us, I think that we would then take that leap and realize it's not that difficult. Mm -hmm. Well said. What's the best investment of time or money you've made in the last three years? Books. Audible's been tremendous for time Anything and money. Anything specific? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll read you off a couple. Um, I actually read... Just recently, let's see, finished. Um, so I just finished a book called, where is this? There it is. 10X is easier than 2X. That was a great book. Um, high level. It's all about how if you have this mindset of going double in your company, you are actually going to potentially do one and a half times. If you have the mindset of going 10X in your company, you may go 5x, 8x, but it's still much further than 2x. And so that's a very high level 
thought process behind it. Of course, it's a 10-hour book. It goes into management style, recruiting, things like that. So that was awesome. Um, the book that actually started this all for me, The Comfort Crisis. So uh, it's by Michael Easter. That book is the one that probably gave me my my um, sort of lack of compassionate towards hard work. Um, it, it really made me think about, the book talks about how everywhere we go is 70 degrees. You, you're in your house at 70 degrees, you go in your car at 70 degrees, um, you go into a restaurant at 70 degrees, you're in the cold for, you know, 10 to 15 seconds, truthfully. And what do we talk about the most when we interact with one another? Oh, it's so cold or, oh, it's so hot. Well, you were only in that for 20 seconds and you're <laughs> complaining and you've had, you know, the last 23 hours of comfort. So, um, when I started thinking about life that way, uh, it, it really made me, more compassionate, lack of compassionate, more discompassionate to the fact that maybe I can spend a little bit more time in the cold and just deal with it because maybe it's good for me. Well, I'm about to turn my heater off right now after you said that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. And I like that. Uh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the two. Um, and then I'll, I'll toss one more book out there for, uh, for everyone listening. I think um, there was this book called sell it like Sirhant by Ryan Sirhant. He is a real estate, uh, broker up in New York, always wears suits, very cool guy. Um, he basically talks about being a salesperson. And I loved it because I didn't relate to the book at all, not a single bit. But his his vision on sales is tremendous. Um, his theory in sales is if the client says jump, he says how high. He's got a pretty cool story about a client, wealthy client who emailed him. And I believe it was in Paris. Um, he was in New York. Ryan bought a one-way ticket to Paris to try to find this client. It all worked out for him. Um, but that's just not my sales style. And I just can't be that type of attorney. It doesn't translate for me. But understanding how salespeople think, understanding the sales process, understanding you know customer service, I think is huge. And having never been in that position, getting that from him was great. We'll definitely check those out. And yeah, I agree with the sales. I mean, we're doing it all the time as service providers. And so it's a skill you yeah. got to learn. Of course. Of course. Yeah. All right. What's something you've changed your mind on recently? Ooh. Um, what did I change my mind on? That's hilarious. QuickBooks. <laughs> That's probably not the answer you want. Uh, I just reconciled my books uh, from last year by hand. And after I reconciled them, I immediately got QuickBooks. Uh, but I, I said to myself, oh, I'll just do it in Excel. It'll be easy. Uh, but you probably want a real answer. Um, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't have QuickBooks, get it today. Trust me, you need QuickBooks. Um, what have I changed my mindset on? Man, I'm a pretty, I don't know. I'm a pretty rigid guy. I don't know. Sorry. Not, and maybe not rigid is the right word, but consistent. I don't know. I'm a pretty consistent guy. I haven't changed my mind on too much lately. All right. Well, quick a books, year ago, fine. <laughs> a, a year ago, that would have been a different answer. But yeah, QuickBooks is all I can think of recently. Fair enough. You kind of maybe touched on this already, but maybe there's something that that stands up top of mind. But what resource, whether book, video, podcast, etc., has positively impacted you the most? Yeah, um, I, I do want to touch back real quick on what has changed my mindset recently, um, or what has changed my mindset recently. I used to be a very big DIYer. I used to do things around the house by myself, clean the house, things like that. Um, and we, my wife and I still clean our house, but realizing that time is money has changed my life tremendously. Mm -hmm. um, I won't say I'm, I'm doing more luxurious items or, or luxurious services or utilizing those services, 
but I definitely find time to allow people to do what they're best at so that I can do what I'm best at. So there you go. Um, and then your second question was what resource do I rely on quite a bit? That's a tough question, Stephen, just because I rely on so many resources. I read all day long. You know, I, I have to read, I have to rely on, um, on, uh, information outside of the law, just in and of itself. Um, man, it's so tough. I, I, I study Spanish all day. I read all day, audiobooks. Finally listened to a fiction audiobook for the first time in probably two years, but I just kind of said, my mind can only handle so much. Get after it. You know, I, I need to listen to, to Friday Night Lights. Um, I, I watch YouTube to listen, uh, to listen to how other attorneys are doing things. I look at LinkedIn to see what the, what the market's doing. So, yeah. Got it. Well, you're definitely very on the pulse. All right. If, if you had to summarize this, this podcast last 30 minutes or so, what's one takeaway you want today's listeners to take from this podcast? 100%. Feel the fear. Do it anyways. I know it's intimidating. There are days where I want to quit. There are days I don't want to run that extra mile. There are days where I don't want to send that one more email, one more phone call. Um, there are days where I don't want to stay up for another hour and hammer out emails. Um, at the end of the day, I don't know if you can see it. I've got a vision board right there. It's right there, right next to all my degrees. Um, that's probably the most important thing on that wall because I walk past it every day and I just say, why am I doing what I'm doing? I look at that vision board and I say, okay, perfect. I'm going to do that one more thing that I need to do to get across the finish line. So um, know your why. That's extremely important, whatever your why is. And uh, yeah, do that. do that thing that you need to do. Awesome. Great way to put a nice bow around this podcast. Sean, uh, thank you for jumping on. Is there anything you want to share, whether it's a resource, website, social links, I'll make sure to put it in the show notes. Anything you want to share at all? Yeah. Follow me on LinkedIn, connect with me. I'm pretty involved on LinkedIn. I put a ton of free content out on there, um, whether it's updates in the legal world, whether it's um, you know just highlighting people that I think have cool businesses, love LinkedIn. So let's connect on there. And uh, yeah, thanks awesome. for having me, Stephen. Yeah, thank you. I'll make sure to have that linked on. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, man.